1: Kickstarter was an awesome success. We made the amount that we tried to crowdfund, but it turned out that it was about $170,000 to $200,000 more. It almost broke me. I was very, very close to giving it all up.
0: Welcome to Lady Startup, the podcast where we find out how to build a business from women who've done it. I'm Rachel Corbett, and my guest today is cake-making queen, Catherine Sabbath. Catherine started out as a teacher who had a passion for baking. Her cakes looked so good, she thought, you know what the natural thing to do is? Pop these things on Instagram. And lo and behold, the followers started flooding in. Since then, she's been a guest Chef on MasterChef. She sold out two print runs of her very ambitious pop-up cookbook and she's now amassed over half a million Instagram followers. So how did she go from teacher to cake entrepreneur? Let's find out. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now tell me when you started baking because your sweet skills you do not develop overnight. (laughs) Has this been something you've been doing since you were a kid?
1: I've always loved cakes and I've got a German grandmother who was amazing growing up and she would always bake us like really rich beautiful like chocolate German torts and things like that and it was always something that she would do while we would come over. She'd have something freshly baked for us and it was kind of I guess the way that she showed us that she loved us and she was thinking about us before we were there and like prepping for us. But I didn't have a lot of sugar growing up. I think the baking that I'm doing now is making up for a lot of lack of sugar and sweets growing up. So I'm overcompensating.
0: That's a good lesson for the parents (laughs) now who are not letting their kids have any sugar. This is your future. They will be eating sugar nonstop. Or making their own. So what
1: I would do is I would just find what's in the cupboard and then I would make my own like disgusting concoctions of like chocolate this and flour and eggs and I would just make something up because wow. it wasn't there for me. Gosh, okay, this is a great <laughs> lesson because there
0: are a lot of parents that do not let have their kids have sugar anymore. So, so you went into a career in, in high school teaching. Were you even thinking about kind of baking as an option or were you like, that's not even close to a career?
1: No, I didn't have anyone in my life who was making a viable career out of baking or even a creative passion. I always loved art growing up. I was a very quiet kid. I grew up with a stutter as well. So I think that also made me kind of retreat into myself and just be creative. Mm. Part of that was like I would make cakes as well to kind of connect with my friends and show them that I loved them. So I I always thought that I would move into some kind of artistic career, but it took a really long time for me to see that and to actually gain the courage to go for it.
0: Was Instagram a game changer in that becoming a potential path? Yeah. Were you an early adopter?
1: No, I begrudgingly signed up to it because all of my friends had accounts I was on Facebook. I came really late. I was like a MySpace person. I really liked MySpace.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm feeling you. Look, I'm so I'm so late to every party. All the snacks are gone. Like any yeah. technological <laughs> party, I turn up and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm ready. And they're like, we're over MySpace. We're yeah, somewhere I, else. I don't think
1: I accepted the fact that we were moving towards like Facebook and all these, which I completely am not that person now. You need to adapt. You need to embrace new forms of tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Back then, I, I didn't care. And then I just realized I was being left out at parties. And this is just like a sad commentary on the way we <laughs> hang out now. But my friends would sit around and talk about photos that they had seen from like a few nights ago. And they'd be all be laughing on their phones. And because I didn't have the app, I was left out. Mm. And they would upload photos not on Facebook but on something else. And I was like, well, I don't have the account so I need to sign up. So I I signed up. And then again, as a high school teacher, you don't want to really show too much of your social life. You can't. So I changed my last name. I created an account and it was Cakes. That was the only thing that I thought was like PC and not going to get me in trouble.
0: Your Cakes (laughs) now are beautiful to look at. Were they always that? Because to put that onto Instagram, you're sort of like, oh, that's, Tailor made for Instagram. <laughs> what you do is exactly what Instagram was built for. But did you sort of develop the aesthetic of your cakes because you were that was sort of a visual platform where the more kind of out there, colorful, amazing yeah. they were, the better I, it was?
1: I can definitely see why people are kind of pandering to that now. But no, so I started the account when I was teaching and I had. Five classes of 25 kids that I needed to impress at the end of the school term. I had some classes of like kids who were mixed kind of special needs. And so I needed to make cakes that really attracted them and like enriched them and like created some kind of awe when you brought it into the room. Mm. So they would be really tall, gaudy, bright cakes with the dripping icing and the candy stuck on top. And I would make those cakes just for them to get their attention.
0: So when you started to post these images on Instagram, was it pretty quick that your account started to gain traction? Because like, you're like you almost about to hit half a million followers, aren't you? Yeah,
1: thanks. Close, close. Close. You are like super close. It goes up and down. I try not to think about it. I can lose like 3,000 followers in a week or so. It goes up and down. And it's not because I've ever bought any followers. There's nothing sus going on. just bots
0: happen when you have a lot of followers. I
1: I try not to let that freak me out because if I think about it for too long, it does. Mm. And then I don't want to affect the way I share what I do. I don't want it to ever be conceited, really. I want it to always be something that I enjoy doing and I don't want to do it for any other reason besides that and making my friends and family happy and, of course, like supporting the cake-making community But once you start playing the game of likes and followers, Mm -hmm. it all goes awry and you you just lose your sense of self. And once that app dies, what do you have?
0: Exactly. And also the reason that people have come to you in the first place is the authenticity of what you're doing. And then if you start to, yeah, but if you then start to get affected by that, it's just not a very long term game. Like you Mm. might be able to get the sugar rush of something pretty quick, but it's not going to last, you know, it's like, especially now that the pendulum swings the other way and people are really interested in authentic voices and, Mm. you know, I think. It makes sense to stay true to yourself because then you'll never – you can never get angry if you lose 10,000 followers because you weren't yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) I'm so conscious of never aligning any sense of worth with my personality online. Mm. I just always try to make sure those two things, like my sense of self-worth is really strong, what I stand for is really strong, and whatever I put out there, if people don't accept it or if people – don't like it as in terms of like translating to actual lives, yep. then I need to be okay with it.
0: Mm. So were you seeing quick traction in the early days or how long did it take you to sort of see mm. something where you thought, oh gosh, this could be something? Yeah.
1: You know, it took a while, but I think once I hit around 2000 followers, I remember sitting there and I know it sounds rich because I sit here now and I'm like, oh, I don't care about followers. But when my 2,000th follower ticked over, I was like, oh, my God, this is really cool because then it, it was real. Like mm. there weren't bots and people weren't making money on social media. So it was 2,000 followers actually just really like my cakes and they're following me without wanting to get something out of it. I'm not making money. It's, it was real.
0: Mm.
1: So that meant a lot. And I guess once my students started finding me online – That's when I had to think a lot more about what I was doing because they they were super supportive and saying, oh, my God, Miss, I can't believe you do this. This is awesome. Look how many followers you have. And then I guess the word spread and brands were contacting me and I, I would talk about what we would do during the school break. And we'd share stories. And then my stories were like, oh, you know, Brown Brothers Wine flew me down to hang out with them in the vineyard. And (laughs) (laughs) And it was getting more and more extraordinary for me. And I just actually couldn't believe that I was doing this in my spare time. And it got to the point where I didn't want to have to take any time off my job because being outside of the classroom when you're a teacher is the worst feeling in the world. And even if you have someone looking after your class, like a casual, it's still the worst feeling in the world because you're letting your kids down. So I couldn't do both. Mm. I couldn't pursue all these awesome opportunities that were coming up and I couldn't teach my students. So after about two years of having Instagram, I I had to think about what I was doing seriously with my life. So
0: I I just went for it. What did you think your business would be at that point? Because obviously you're teaching and then you're being called up by people to go and do things for Brown Brothers or whatever it is. Were you thinking that's the business, that I'm going to be an ambassador for people? Were you thinking people love my cakes, I think I could sell them? Mm. What were you thinking about what the business would become? Yeah. You know, I, I still think
1: about that. And I've always just done what is fun until it's no longer fun and I move the business into something else. So for me, I guess traditionally when you think of someone who likes to bake, well, you sell your cakes, you have a cake shop. So I moved into like market stalls and I would sell my cakes at events and things like that and I really enjoyed that because you get the feedback as soon as possible but you also get to see people's faces when they eat your stuff and, you know, it's it's a great feeling. But it's quite intensive. Um, for me, being a home baker especially, like you need commercial kitchens, you need the space, all of that logistically didn't work. Um, and being in Sydney, rent for a retail space or a cafe space is super exorbitant. So I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, set myself up for a lease for like three or five years mm-hmm. to have a cafe space. So I thought, well, what's, what's a way that I can bake my cakes and what I really liked doing was sharing them with friends and family. How can I make money out of that without actually having to sell my cakes? Because I don't really enjoy that either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cookbooks. Cookbooks for me was a way that it was a job that my parents and my peers could identify as, you know, a respectful way. <laughs> to live a life, like, I'm an author. I write cookbooks. Yes, you are. So that's what I told them, Mm. that I'm going to be an author. But I knew that it would be a range of things because you don't make money off cookbooks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Most authors say, yeah, exactly.
0: It's not a real money spinner. (laughs) No, but I didn't know that at
1: the time. But it's a good kind of blanket term for, like, what I do now. I'm an author, Mm -hmm. but I make my money off a variety of things I don't know what to call what I do. Yeah. But I'm a slashy, I suppose. And that You is- have a
0: diversified <laughs> revenue stream. Which that's is perfect. <laughs> yeah, which is the sign of a good business because yeah. not all your eggs are in one basket.
1: Yeah, great. I so I diversify my investments. Yes, that's a great there tip for funding.
0: Exactly, <laughs> creative There's a lot of people just want to be Instagram influencers. That's it. I just want people to pay me a lot of money yeah. to go and do things. That word, oh. Ugh, <laughs> it makes my skin crawl. What advice, I guess, would you have for for people kind of wanting to build a business? On Instagram? Because I guess that's where things built Mm, for you. I would
1: say don't ever aim to build anything on one free platform (laughs) (laughs) because if you're not paying for it, you're the product. And that means you really have no control where that app or that free platform is going to go. And you'll always kind of be a slave to it. So as much as I love that app, it has changed my life it is not something that I'm going to build things onto necessarily. So I would say it's a great way to build community, but like you said, diversify. So then like, I know I know Facebook owns it as well, but like have your Facebook, have a website, build your community and then move into different ways that if one part of that dies, you'll still be okay. So for me, like even though... I might have a big platform online. I just always have to make sure that I'm constantly engaging with the community outside of the online world. So that will be my cake classes, that will be cake shows and things like that.
0: When you finally made the decision to stop doing the teaching and say, okay, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to give this a burl, what was your first step at that point? Like, yeah. <laughs> were you like, "Guess I better build a website"? <laughs> I know the website
1: took a little while. <laughs> Always does. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't have to do it all in one go because yeah. it just it's too much, and you'll just do your head in. You will exhaust yourself with your list of things to do. Really, mm. so first and foremost, make sure you have the thing that sh- stressed me out at the beginning was cash flow. Like, I'm not going to have anyone paying me now. I'm not on a payroll. I'm not getting paid each second Thursday anymore. So I saved my money, especially if, like, you know, shit hit the fan. Who's going to pay my rent? I don't want to ask my parents because they didn't know that I left teaching. Oh, didn't they? I didn't tell them. How long did you keep that secret? About (laughs) six (laughs) months. Because I didn't need that added pressure. Yes. So I kind of kept it a secret for a while, like... It was like the end of 2014 when I stepped down and I thought I'll always go back to casual. If shit hits the fan, you need a backup plan. And you know what? If you have to go back to what you were doing or if you have to give it up, as long as you're okay with it, then I think you can move, continue to move in that direction. But for me, it was I could never pursue the cake life, inverted commas, if I was doing it in fear.
0: You mentioned earlier about the cookbook that you're now selling the second run of. What was your decision to go down the Kickstarter route?
1: Mm. In hindsight, oh, okay. no, I, I am, I'm so, so proud of it. It is the coolest thing I've ever done but I also know why it's never been done. <laughs> Because it's so expensive. So we thought that because when you go into these kinds of things, you know, you price it up, you think, okay, so this is how much it's going to cost to pay the creative team. And this is how much it will, you know, be for me to just be covered for the first month or so. And this is how much it costs to print, blah, blah, blah. It all, it all made sense at the time. I knew that it would be something that people would buy because it was awesome and it's something I would buy and it would really help me in my own work and something that I would have loved even if I didn't bake cakes. But we didn't budget it properly. So even though like the Kickstarter was an awesome success, we made... The amount that we tried to crowdfund, we definitely did that, but it turned out that it was about maybe 170000 to $200,000 more. Wow. Yeah. So that was really hard. That was the biggest challenge that I've ever faced in the last five, six years It almost broke me. I was very, very close to giving it all up and like telling my parents and saying, look, I'm going to have to move back home with you because I am in so much debt right now. I did pay it off, but then with the success of what I was already doing, certain opportunities came where I could do a second print run and the second print run helped pay off the debt from the first print run and so it all worked out, but it took a long time.
0: I think these kind of stories are so important, particularly when we see a certain version of things on social media and we obsess about the perfection of that. Mm. How easy it is for that person. Oh, I see her on master Chef. it just must be a breeze. she must have a you know millions of dollars in the bank. But the reality is to build a business, it is a struggle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At least I had the hindsight because if I had done it all myself, it would have been way worse. (laughs) But at least I had the hindsight to be like, you know, I'm the creative person. I am good with money, but I'm not completely across the laws of like crowdfunding and tax and all that kind of stuff. So I hired other people to do it for me. But because it was such an unknown thing at the time, crowdfunding that it was impossible to know certain things and then because we were dealing with people from you know Hong Kong who were like printing the books things happened there where like a lot of them got damaged when they were posted there's lots of things that happen that are outside of your control as well like you can try to control as much as you can you can hire the best people but there's always something that's going to go wrong and you just have to make sure that you can handle it. So I was very lucky that I've always been a positive person. So even now that that happened with the book and that's fine, it's fine now, but yeah. even at the time I thought, you know, this is this is fine, I'll be all right. I've actually made something that I'm super-duper proud of. It's ended up costing way more than we thought, but I actually had the option and the choice to cut back and save that money, but then what we promised all those, you know, people who supported the crowdfunding campaign would have been a lot less than what they thought they had purchased. So I didn't ever want to do that. Mm. So it was either be in debt and make a really awesome product that I'm going to be proud of for the rest of my life or save all this money and make something that's a cop-out really. So my choice was to approach my parents and, you know, tell them what happened, tell friends. I had also some money set aside and, yeah, get a loan, basically. Mm. That was that was the way out for me and then slowly paid off. But I haven't spoken about it on social media because I had a book to sell. Yeah. I know when this comes out, the book will be virtually sold out because it's it will probably last in my shop like for about three more weeks. So I'm not telling it now as a sob story, but I never wanted to say anything about it because I didn't want people to buy it because they thought that they had to help me. I wanted them to buy it because they really wanted the book. Mm. And then once the book is sold, then I'll be like, hey, so you know that book that you helped me with? Well, that was actually really hard. I was in lots of debt. Thank you so much for supporting me. Um, This is what happened. But you never want to start a brand in that way (laughs) or to have people give you money because of that.
0: But at the same time, it's an important part of the story. And you not compromising and getting into a situation that was very stressful for you because you felt like you couldn't let people down who'd invested and you also felt like you wanted a product that you could be proud of. That is a long-term approach, you know? Yeah, if, if you'd have gone, oh, well, I'll just save the money and we wouldn't be sitting here in the same situation. And the reason that you've had the support of the community is because you've made something that has them in mind.
1: Thanks. Thank you. It's really <laughs> nice. <laughs> but so, yeah, at the time, at the time, that's kind of what I was using to consult. And it is, it's is—it's so hard to talk yourself through all of that. At the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in so much debt. I've, I really up here. Mm. I felt so bad for my partner who we've been together for eight years. I was like, honey, I am so sorry. That was our nest egg. I really cooked it. And he's like, no, honey, like, I believe in you. I know you'll get this money back. Like, I know that you stand for the right things. And we, I just had to think like long-term, 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 I'm going to be really uncomfortable for a while. And it's going to really hurt to promote this book on like TV and media, knowing that, I'm going on TV, like live TV. I'm in this much debt and I have to pretend that nothing's happened mm. because I don't want to freak people out and I don't want – how do you how do you approach that? So I just kind of had to own it. So I, I don't want to say that, like, I feel sorry for myself. It does hurt to talk about it, but it will be a lot easier to talk about in five years and I'll be super proud of it.
0: Oh man, but even sitting where you are now, having done what you've done and come through where you've come through, like you should be proud of how you dealt with that. Thank
1: you. I also, you can't forget that if you're in the position where you can make these kinds of risks, you're so lucky. So for me to even be like, you know, I have a Kickstarter, I've got this book, yeah, I'm in lots of debt, but to even be in the position where there was a community who would want to buy a book, to even have that in the first place was awesome, you know? so. It might sound hard. It was definitely hard at the time. But in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing to what, you know, other people, of course, are dealing with. Mm. And it's an issue because I had something awesome happen to me and then an issue came out of it. So what? Mm. People are paying off loans for their houses for the rest of their lives. This kind of was just my loan on a house, but Mm. it's a book.
0: Yeah, you uncooked the nest egg. <laughs> it's it's yeah, all right. Uh, still <laughs> oh, building okay, the nest egg, right, but <laughs> okay. It's scrambled. We're going to get yeah. it back together. It'll be fine. Yeah, the nest egg's
1: coming. That that <laughs> okay. will be the next project I do, which right. is happening. Good, good.
0: Um, what about the idea of pricing yourself? You know, it's one thing to budget things, but when you're doing something that you love, that you're good at, that you're not, you know, that you've sort of got a passion for, that you'd do for free if you didn't get yeah. paid for it. Did you have difficulty pricing yourself appropriately?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. And so many people, they wouldn't they wouldn't say it to you, obviously, but it's an assumption that, hey, you're actually gonna be doing this anyway on the weekend. Do you wanna color it blue and write my son's name on it and oh. give it to him for a christening shower? Oh.
0: Do you want to go away? That's what I'd say to that person. You know, or, so it's oh. it's
1: really it's so people are the worst. People are the worst. <laughs> you're gonna be doing it anyway, so you oh, know it man. might it might be great experience for you to make a titty cake for <laughs> my brother's twenty first birthday, which is what a co worker asked me when I was teaching.
0: Oh, you know, if please. you're not doing anything this
1: week, and I know you love baking, it's my brother's twenty first birthday. We were thinking of tits. <laughs>
0: I actually, as I was going through your Instagram, thought to myself, do you know what? This page is really missing more titty cakes. (laughs) So it could be a whole new branch. Yeah, but that's when I was really,
1: really glad that I knew that. No, 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 absolutely not. No titty (laughs) cake. I do not want that in my portfolio. I do not want the experience. I would always tell myself, well, firstly, you have to know what you're worth. You have to really love what you do and know what you stand for. And then the price points come from there. If someone doesn't respect how much you're charging, it might be because they're misinformed. It could be just because they're a total asshole. But if they don't have the money to pay for what you've made because you've priced it in a way that's not too expensive, like you want to be real as well, if they can't afford that, that's fine. It just means that they're not your consumer at the time. And there are lots of things I want that I can't buy and I'm not that person's consumer at the time, but I still love their work. So if someone doesn't see what you're worth, then it's your job to inform. So that's where all the PR comes in. That's when, you know, you post photos of your work. You actually tell people what's in your cakes, how you make them, how long it takes, what it means to you. And then hopefully you attract the right kinds of people. And that's, you know, that's just things you have to do. It takes longer, but you do it for long enough that it gets to the point where you don't have to sell it yourself. Other people sell it for you.
0: It's interesting when you're talking about the ingredients, because I think when you're starting a business, sometimes if your ingredients are (laughs) your experience, your skill, your expertise, it's very hard to say this is what these things are worth. But it's almost, as you were saying then, I'm like, you almost kind of have to think about those things because it's one thing to say this is how much this chocolate costs and this adds this, you know, and I can price this product that I'm making and this is why it costs as much as it does. But there's probably advice in that for people who do things that aren't so tangible mm. but are still having difficulty working out what they're worth yeah. because it's all of those things where you have to say, well, you know, this is how why you're paying for 15 years' experience in this and this much yeah. expertise and, you know, thinking about it almost like a list of ingredients in yourself yeah, as a business person. exactly.
1: And you, you also, you have to harp on the things that make you stand out from the cheaper brand or the competitor who charges less. You have to do things that set you apart. And so that when people are buying what you do, they're buying what you do because they know what you stand for. They, they know that you're not following trends or you're not trying to, we Weaken your product to make you know
0: a quick buck, twenty grand, with the wrong people might seem great now because it's 20 grand but you do that enough times in the wrong partnerships and you'll have no earning potential. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> you, you, you erode completely... all of
0: your credibility. Yeah,
1: it's the piece of your
0: pie. Yes, exactly. Y- you've
1: only got so many pieces. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's...
1: <laughs> that's right. And, but you can rejuvenate those pieces. So I know this is, so fluffy. The pieces of your pie, you can you bake them again. Oh no, we again. got the bloody cooked <laughs> next, nest
0: egg, we've got the pie yeah. pieces out, I'm into it.
1: <laughs> you have to, you have to, have to forgive me I, I am a high school teacher by trade so it's all about making sure the kids can imagine what I'm talking about I'm loving it. metaphors I'm on board. you know I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so I, I do have to be careful with the uh, jobs that I take on and also know that I'm doing it for the right reasons mm. as well
0: if you had your time again my question is would you do anything differently and I'm guessing you would have priced the book better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yes. So when, when we priced the book on Kickstarter, we
1: thought, you know, $65, that is so much money for a book. And I remember you ask your family for advice and they only want the best for you, but they can only speak from their own experience too. So when I said to my mom, you know, we're going to do a Kickstarter price of $65 and then, you know, after a certain period of time, we're going to bump the book up to 80 because then the Kickstarter period's over and then the retail price of the book is eighty. And my mum said, Oh, that is so much money for a book. A book for eighty dollars. And I'm like, Yeah, but mum, it's like a hand assembled one and a half kilo
0: book, right? It's got pop ups. That is <laughs> um, I'm thinking as you that, that is cheap. That well, is I didn't so know cheap. that at the time. Five <laughs> years
1: ago, because of inexperience, the yeah. pop-up books that I was buying in a bookshop weren't that much, but then it's a self-published pop-up book which has its own fees in that that need to cover logistics and me taking time off to sell the book because a bookstore is not going to do it for me. So all that kind of stuff added up. And, you know, I didn't even really factor in my own wage because for me it was a passion project, the cookbook. I thought if it does really well, that's awesome, it will be a nest egg. But I always approached it as this is something I have to do because it's an awesome idea. I really think people need it. I really want it. Let's make it happen. But, yeah, I, I wish that I had priced the book a little bit higher because $65 didn't even cover the cost that it is to make the book. Mm. And then we sold two and a half thousand copies for $65 and then had to ship them on top of that. So that's where all the debt came from because that $65 didn't really cover even the book
0: itself. How much do you charge for them now? 125 Yeah, that's... And getting... that still isn't that's... making a healthy. I would have but said, said it should be about 150 bucks. For something like that, you're thinking like a coffee table. It's an art piece. Yeah, well,
1: originally, so then again, one of those things in a creative process is you think it's going to be one thing and then during the journey you think of ways to make it better. But for me, making it better also made it heavier, so it ended up being a kilo heavier than what it was meant to be. (laughs) So then – but because it was through Kickstarter, people had already pledged and prepaid their shipping. So we weren't going to ask 3,000 people to give us more money for shipping because that's unacceptable. To me, it was unacceptable. We are not going to go back and ask for more money. So then we had to pay 3,000 kilos worth of extra shipping.
0: Far out. <laughs> i tell you one thing, you won't make the same mistake again. No,
1: <laughs> but it's an awesome beast of a book and yeah – There were some things I regret, but for me, the slashy thing, again, there's no one singular way to make money. So all my eggs weren't in the basket of the book. I knew that might be a loss but there's other ways for me to make money and then eventually the book is still awesome and that is like a branding thing now. Mm.
0: Finally, what's your advice for people wanting to start their own business, whether the way that you've done it or just Mm. generally? (laughs) Yeah, how have I done it? I still don't even know if I've answered that question.
1: (laughs) Save money, make sure you've got some capital there, right? Because that is the number one thing that will freak you out And that is the number one thing that will make you hit rock bottom. Mm. So save your money so that when you're working, you're making sure that the decisions you're making aren't based on money and also invest in yourself professionally. And don't think that you know everything. You want to go through mistakes and be better and do better because you will know your brand inside out. But it's also time that you won't get back as well. So you have to be realistic. You can make all these mistakes. That's great. But if you could have another two years and not make those mistakes, you probably don't want to. <laughs> mm, but maybe
0: then you wouldn't have the brand that you do.
1: Yeah, true. See, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, right? What about a happy medium? Make yeah. a couple of mistakes. Yes. But the really big ones that take like a year out of your life fixing, Maybe yeah. maybe you don't it. need them sometimes.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Kat, I really appreciate you being so honest and open about all of that stuff. It's a big thing to talk about and I know you're obviously still kind of going through it, but I think it's so important to have those conversations and for people to see that that is a part of building a business and going out on your own and taking a chance and taking a risk and going, I'm just going to jump in the deep end and see if I swim. Sometimes your head goes under for a bit, but you're back (laughs) up on top and I really appreciate you chatting to me.
1: Thanks. Thanks so much for asking the questions in such a supportive environment.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Lady Startup. If you're a fan of this show, then please share it with your business-loving friends or even your friends who don't like business but just like good chats with smart ladies. And if you've got an idea brewing that you would like to turn into a business, I have some exciting news. The Lady Startup Activation Plan is open for enrolments right now. If you are listening to this on the day that it drops, the 15th of September, then all this week you'll be able to enrol in the course. it's the last time the course will be running for 2019. So make sure you head to ladystartup.com.au. You can sign up there to get all the details and you could turn your idea into a business that is your new nine to five. Right, you pop off and do that. And while the course is kicking, I just want to let you know that the podcast will be on a mid-season break for a couple of weeks. The next episode will drop November 5th on Tuesday. So I will see you then for the next episode of Lady Startup.